Really glad you're here. Well, I am finding out that people are having a difficult time waiting a week to watch the next episode of The Chosen. If you remember, we started this sermon series about seven weeks ago, and the idea was to give a brief word on the episode that was coming up, and then you'd watch that episode, and then we'd get together again, and another brief word, and so on. But the problem is, once you start this series, it is very difficult to wait a whole week to watch another one, especially when you know you've got the whole season right there, and you can just keep going. Okay, truth be told, I highly recommend binge-watching The Chosen. We can binge many things, but there ain't no binge like Jesus binge. <laughs> Wrapping up Season 1, Episode 8, will mainly center around the passage in John chapter 4 where Jesus is leading his disciples through the despised Samaria. And Jesus has this encounter with the woman at the well. And the television series gives a little bit of background of this well, and it's cleverly introduced. And then there's an exchange between Jesus and this woman that frankly, <clears throat> it moved me to tears. You're really gonna enjoy it. There's just so much to consider in this episode in Jesus' life. But for our short time together today, I want us to notice what Jesus said about worship. You probably already know that worship is not a choice for the human being. Now, what we worship or who we worship is definitely a choice, but this, this quality, this concept, it's just innate in us. It's a part of us. It's a part of our nature. All of us naturally worship. I don't think that's the question. The issue is where or to whom is our worship directed? The definition of worship is pretty easy to understand. It's to show profound devotion or to have intense love. The old English word literally means to ascribe worth to something or someone. In the Greek, the New Testament has three different words that are translated worship. One is to kiss toward, that's used 59 times. Another one means to reverence or hold in awe, that's used 10 times. And then another third word for worship means to render a service of homage. That's used 21 times in the New Testament. Now, the reason I say that the human being has in his or her nature no choice but to worship is because we have evidence of this everywhere. Some people are clearly devoted above all else to themselves. Self-worship. Others are intensely in love with knowledge the worship of knowing more. Some ascribe ultimate worth to their spouse or their children, the worship of family. And for some, the list just goes on and on, the worship of sports, of entertainment, of fame, of sex, of music, etc. We all worship, but Jesus came to explain and example the destiny of our created design. To worship. The choice of what or who we worship is most definitely our choice. Jesus just wants us to be clear of worship's designed target. Look what he said about it to this woman at the well that day. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father and the Spirit and in truth. 
for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So we see that the first part of Jesus' explanation is to point out a distinction of true worshipers. True worshipers worship the Father. Worship aimed anywhere else would not be true, according to Jesus. Notice also that Jesus explains the two characteristics of this worship of the Father. True worshipers worship in the Spirit and in truth. Interestingly, Jesus tells us that true worshipers worship God the Father in spirit, and then he immediately adds that God is spirit. This is interesting because it's one of the four descriptions that we have in the New Testament of God. He's, he is called light, he is called love, he is called a consuming fire, and he is spoken of as spirit. God is not bound to time or space. And because God is spirit, there is no restriction or limitation on when we worship him or where we worship him. And as far as worshiping him in the truth is concerned, the implications here in this context with this Samaritan woman, oh my, you're going to enjoy this. You see, Jesus already knew everything about her, that she was a five-time divorcee and she was currently living with number six and they weren't married. She, like every one of us, has made a lot of bad choices in life. But freedom will be found in realizing God knows the truth about us, and he still welcomes us and our worship. We acknowledge the truth about our lives, the warts and all, all the sin, all the rebellion, all the disobedience. And in that open admission of our own unholy truth, we find that Jesus is already accepting our worship. Now, people, acknowledging that God the Father knows all of my truth. He knows everything about my life. And he says, now that's what's going to mark you as a true worshiper. This is crazy fantastic. <laughs> it's recorded that Cyrus, the founder of the Persian Empire, once captured a prince and his family. And when they came before the monarch, Cyrus said to the captured prince, what will you give me if I release you? And the prince answered, up to half of my kingdom. And Cyrus said, and what if I release your children? And the young prince said, everything I possess. And Cyrus said, and what if I release your wife? And the prince said, I will give you myself. Cyrus was so moved by this prince's devotion that he freed all of them. And as they were returning home, the prince remarked to his wife, wasn't Cyrus a handsome man? And with deep love for her husband, she said to him, I didn't notice. I could only keep my eyes on you, the one who was willing to give himself for me. Let me read you something from the Book of Truth. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for, and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice, but 
God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. Y'all, God sacrificed his son for us while we were drowning in our own sin. Growing in our understanding of what God has done for us in Christ brings a deeper, fuller meaning to our worship. Years ago, the Crown Prince of India gave to Queen Victoria the most precious thing he had. He was a child prince, and he gave the Queen of England the Coronar Diamond. Perhaps the most famous diamond in history, 186 carats, nearly flawless. It was given to the Queen and put with the crown jewels stored in the Tower of London except on special occasions when she would wear it. Years later, when that Indian prince would visit London and the Queen, he would ask, would you please place that diamond I gave you in my hand? Well, they did. And he turned to the queen and said, here, I want to give it back to you just one more time. When I, give it to you, when I gave it to you the first time, I did not fully understand all that I was doing. I gave it with the heart and mind of a child. But now I give it with the heart and mind of a man. I want to give it back to you one more time with a deeper, fuller meaning than I had the first time. As we grow in Christ and in our understanding of his sacrifice and love, so grows our worship, worship given in the spirit and in truth. <laughs>